Hey guys, this is Jason Boyce. Jason Boyce from Friday the 13th Vengeance, and you're listening to Real Pop Culture. Back on episode 83, when we interviewed CJ Graham, when I was getting ready to do that show, I did a deep, deep dive into the Friday the 13th, you know, lore. I watched a bunch of the movies and a bunch of, like, interviews and YouTube yeah. stuff, documentaries. And I think it was a lot of it runs together because there was so much of it, which I didn't mind doing it anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it just gave me an excuse to check out awesome stuff. But there was one called, uh, let's see, the Crystal Crystal Lake Memories: Complete History of Friday the Thirteenth. It's like really, really long, and it's like five parts, and it's got interviews from people from every. I think C.J. Graham is in it too. It's got a, it's got everybody in it. Everybody. And I'm pretty sure that's the one where the guy was talking about this this theme music. Uh hang on. I wanna do his uh his name is Harry Men Menfredini. Menfredini. That's what I'm gonna Harry say. Harry Menfredini. How many syllables is that? Menfredini. Okay, it's four. It's a name it don't count. Oh it don't? No. So, that he, so even if it was five syllables, because we play D and D, if we play D and D and we have a, like a, a a drow name, it could get it way up into syllables, especially like a gnome, like a silver little gnome or whatever you want to call. It. I can't even say what they are. Okay, and their, their names are like you know, huge syllables, a lot of syllables. We have this rule on the podcast: so. if it's like four or five syllables, it's not allowed because it's too difficult. It's kind of like but the. The juxtaposition between oh, everyday gee, oh, talk okay. you know, you gotta break out just and D and D talk. <laughs> Jesus, we done gone I, off the rails on this intro. That wasn't even planned. I just it come out organically and everything. Improv, <laughs> isn't that what this whole freaking show yeah. is? <laughs> so anyway, the, um, Mr. Manfredini was talking about. And I may be completely wrong here. Like I said, I, d- I did a lot of research around that time, and some of the stuff ran together. But it's not so much the the music. I mean, there's a theme there, but it's those noises, you know, yeah. like you know that you're hearing right now. Because I didn't put the music in at post. <laughs> you're hearing it now. I'm hearing it. I hear it right now. It made me but uh, he was talking about how he came up with those sounds, and it was like it's really cool. It's the whole thing's worth watching, but that part right there in particular, pretty cool. I thought about it because I was playing the music. I was like, it's really interesting how he came up with that. I'm really excited about this show. Um, I'm pretending like, you know, we didn't record it out of sequence and it hasn't already happened. But I think it's pretty standard procedure that not only have we done the show, we've already done the outro and now we're recording the intro. <laughs> What is it? 
Have we ever just went, done intro, body, yes, outro? like maybe two mm-hmm. times out of like 120 episodes. No, it's the 119. Yeah. Maybe twice we went in order. And the only reason we did is we were waiting for somebody to call in that was we were interviewing. Yeah. And we went ahead and did the intro, and then they called in, and we did the... That went ahead and done And the then outro. we did the outro. And I was like, this is weird. Is that the... We don't have the time travel. Was that the... Uh, I don't remember. No, you don't remember. I mean, I know I mentioned it in the show. Uh-huh. So if you go back and listen to all of them, which I highly recommend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shameless promotion. And he quit spinning while I'm on the microphone. No, man, we had a real good time interviewing Jason Brooks from Friday the 13th Vengeance. That movie is going to be awesome. It's like I was saying earlier, I feel like I feel like this movie was made for me. Like I was I, like I had a dream. And um and Jeremy Brown from Brown Space Films appeared to me in like it's like a force ghost in my dream. And said, Mark, I'm fixing to make an awesome movie just for you. What would you like to see? And <laughs> I'd be like, well. Let's see another let's Friday 13th. Friday 13th Part 6 is like the best ever. And uh, nobody ever talks about Jason's dad. So let's do like a movie that picks up really? right after Part 6. Put some Elias Voorhees in there. There you go. Maybe... Uh, and I don't know this is happening in this movie yet or not, by the way, but maybe try to talk about what happened from the time. You know, at the end of Friday the 13th Part 1, Jason's a little kid. Yeah. And he pulls uh, the girl in the water. Right. Off the boat. Next time we see him in Part 2, he's like a grown man. Yeah. How many years is that and what went on during that time? Yeah. That would have been a good question for me to ask uh, Jason Brooks. Probably. Maybe next time I'll remember. Well, the interview's coming up. It's spoilery, though. It could have been. He might not could have told me anyway. We'll just say that. That saves you. Yeah. I just saved Mark. Good Good save, save. Mark. Good save. Yeah. So, um... God, I got so many things pulled up. But, yeah, I mean, I know I gush over part six a lot, but it's like I said in the interview... It was like a, a, a major course correction for the fans for this franchise. Because part four was amazing. Part five was good in its own right, but everybody was kind of upset about it not being Jason. Yeah. And then Jason, then Friday the 13th part six comes out and it's like, oh, yeah. he's back. Yeah. And had freaking Alice Cooper in it. I'm playing that song on here. I would. I mean. Totally. I mean. Play it right now. If you don't, I will. <laughs> On my way home when I leave. <laughs> I'll get the master tapes and dub in some uh, yeah. I'll sing along. I'm like, I'm going to sing along Alice Cooper when it's playing if it's not in there. <laughs> That's a good video. Just to be defiant. That's a good video. Yeah, I think we played. It's got clips from the movie. I think we watched it over here building up for the CJ Graham interview. Just pumping ourselves up. Man, whenever the, the freaking RV flipped over on its side and slid, and then, and this is no, like, all practice, right? it's 100%. I mean, it's 1986. It's not like they had CGI. Right. So they flipped this RV, it slid down the road on the side, and Jason's like, boom, smashing the door <laughs> off. And he goes, like, just, just 
twisting through the air like a tornado to go off. And he jumps out. I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. There you go. Right after, he just puts in my face. Face. Side of the RV. Good Lord, that's amazing. I think six is the first one I've seen. And then I went back and watched the rest of it. I honestly don't remember. Because in 86, I was probably. I was young. I was 13. So I was a kid. I was 13. Right. He was 10. What? Wasn't you? Yeah. Wow. I watched. I was watching horror movies when I was ten. Yeah. Well, you might have watched it later. No, one, no wonder I got so many psychological problems. Well, usually it came out the year it was. It came out between a year after it was made. So it came out. Yeah, things were different back then. Yeah. Movies hung around. For well, yeah. So if it when it was on HBO or something, or for, that's all it was. It was name was HBO. Uh, yeah, because uh, we somehow got... I remember when I was a kid, we got HBO, but we didn't subscribe for it. Right, they have a free weekend every now and then. No, we just got it. Yeah. It was just there. And when it was in the legal, we didn't... It just showed yeah, it just up. it shows up. <laughs> they just well, did knew something I, right. When it first came out, uh, HBO would do a free weekend just to get people to buy it, and they forget to turn the free weekend off. And you just Maybe keep, that was... You just keep it. Because I remember we had HBO for a while, yeah. and we did not pay for it. And then all of a sudden you could uh, hear it, but you couldn't see it. Yeah, it was all scrambled. I remember the only difference between listen to movies. No, back back in the eighties, <laughs> poor people watch movies. The only difference between free HBO and paid HBO was they sent you that HBO book, uh, TV guide in the mail. The HBO oh TV God, guide in the mail. The HBO TV guide. It's just for HBO. But you remember the the TV guide you would buy to check out? Oh yeah. To see what TV yeah. shows were coming on right. and when. Yeah, you had to have two college degrees wow. to read it. It was a big <laughs> Yeah. It was like telephone books. You hear you get the phone book in the mail? It's like this thick. <laughs> yeah. It's got everybody's phone number in it. Now you get it and it's like an advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, people don't use phones to call anybody anymore. No, they don't use phones for anybody. Not landlines. Do you did you remember like I forgot that about I forgot this ever happened but there was a Friday the Thirteenth TV show I remember oh. yeah and a video game too yeah uh, Nintendo had one that son of a bitch was hard you said what like Jason would always just show up and kill you <laughs> just like that was the game yeah it's it. like the movies <laughs> Jason just kills uh, you yeah I, I don't remember much about the TV show but I remember the TV show but it didn't have nothing to do with Jason. Which was weird because the, they had a Nightmare on Elm Street TV show, and Freddy, like he was like the crypt keeper. He narrated. Oh, he the was show. like tales from the crypt. He wasn't in the show, but he would talk about the show. So like, it's kind of like a tales from the crypt kind of deal. If you think about it, Jason probably couldn't talk. Be a good narrator of the uh, TV show. He didn't even grunt. He wasn't even like a real zombie. He didn't even grunt. No, he don't make it anymore. No, he don't. You know, unless you're Kane Hodder, you're. You know, people say like Cain was breathing. I think he was brooding. Brooding, yeah. Brooding more than breathing. Just like just, just, just mad. Just mad. Yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah. He was agitated. Right. He's always mad. Angry Jason. Angry Jason. <laughs> Hashtag Angry Jason. <laughs> he was cool in Wishmaster. Who? Cain Hodder was in Wishmaster. He was in Spawn. He was in one of the Wishmasters. He was He's in a bunch of stuff. You remember, uh, you remember, you've seen Wishmaster, right? It's been a minute. Uh, he tries to get in, and Kane Hodder's a security guard. He goes, you can't come in. He goes, you know, the guy's t- trying to get him to come in. He keeps yeah. taunting him. He goes, if you want in here, you'd have to go through me. He goes, 
I thought you'd never ask. Do you remember when Jason was on Arsenio Hall? It was Kane Hodder as Jason. No, I don't remember that. Was on Arsenio Hall. But and he did a whole interview, but didn't say a word. Like, he was Jason. Did he choke him? <laughs> uh, no, he was just very intimidating. It was very awkward. But it was good. You should watch it. It's on YouTube. I'll watch it. It was good. Uh, Arsenio Hall, I like, was pitching all these movie ideas to him. <laughs> yeah, what to do? Yeah. And like, Jason would just slowly turn and look at him, all creepy. I miss Arsenio Hall. I like that show. <laughs> I didn't do it. I don't care what you did. You did your arm. You can't prove it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We need to keep this intro short. Because so, yeah, we got like a long outro. We got like real long yeah. winded. It's good, though. I, I recommend you listen to it. Especially if you like hearing about beer. <laughs> well, we talked a lot about brewing beer. But then we... Don't tell them in the intro. Let them get to the end. brought it on <laughs> some other stuff. Yeah. Because there's people listening to the show that probably don't care anything about brewing beer. Probably not. But, you know, we don't just talk about that. All right, so... Uh, I know. Let's play a commercial so we can keep the lights on. And then let's do that interview. All right, do that. Jason Brooks. All right. A.K.A. Jason Voorhees for Friday the 13th Vengeance. I wanted to take a quick minute to tell everyone where they can find real pop culture online in what we call The List. You just made The List! Thank you, Chris Jericho. You can go to www.realpopculture.com. That's our website. You can listen to episodes right there. You can download the Podomatic app, search for Real Pop Culture. You can download and listen to episodes there. Our Facebook account is facebook.com slash realpopculturepodcast. Our Twitter is at realpopculture1. We're on Instagram. Search for us there. We're on iTunes, Google Play. You have to go to Google Play Music and then search for Real Pop Culture. We're on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Player.fm. All episodes are re-aired on The Edge Radio US, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. You just made the list! You can go to AdvertiseCast.com and find out how you, yes, you, can be a part of Real Pop Culture by way of advertising. You can give us a call on our voicemail line. That's area code 662-305-9783. You just made the list! And last but not least, you can always email us, popculture4real, that's the number 4real, at gmail.com. All right, we have on the line Mr. Jason Brooks. Is it, uh, I guess it's safe to say, a.k.a. Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th Vengeance. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'm I'm so excited about this this movie, dude. Like Friday the Thirteenth Part Six is my by the, by far my all time favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie. And from what I understand, this is basically picking up where that movie left off, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is a direct sequel to Part Six. Uh, Thirty years later, uh, we don't ignore Seven, Eight, Nine. Uh, we you know those are addressed in the film as well. But this is yeah, this picks up. Oh, so after part six, which is of course one of our favorites too. Nice. So y'all, y'all actually did incorporate some of the stuff from the ones after this one. Uh, yeah, we can't really say how or or how right. that fits in or anything like that, but but it is. Uh, it's not ignored. I'll just say. Oh, cool! It's always good when there's little nods or Easter eggs or what have you for, especially for the hardcore fans. They'll pick up on it right away. <laughs> oh, absolutely! And I mean, when you talk about Easter eggs, there's hundreds of Easter eggs in here. I mean, we have, um, I mean, we're all fans, like several of us are hardcore fans. And so there's 
him from uh, tons of the props. Uh, Corey Kaufman, a lot of people know him, amazing designer. Um, he helped me with some of the props, and we've just done so many things that are just kind of tucked away here and there that a lot of the hardcore true fans are really going to kind of pick up on and say, oh my God, that's from part one. This is from part two. That's from part six. This is, you know, and it's just little background things that are kind of fun, little nods to the fans. That is awesome. Where was the film shot? Um, it was all, for the most part, shot out here in Woodenville, Washington. Um, one of our, uh, our executive producer, Sean Lutzis, was gracious enough to um, donate his property to us for the, for the entire filming. And we had a couple other places around here. His family has a private lake, which we've shown in a lot of the pictures. Um, it's in our first teaser trailer. That lake is a private lake, owned by his family, which is perfect. It's just, I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better better location, better sets. And then outside of that, we filmed some of it in Florida with Steve Dash. Okay. How long, how long did it take to... It wasn't good enough at the time to come out here, so we, uh, we told him we'd come out to him so that he wouldn't have to travel, and, and so that worked out well. Oh, nice. How long did it take to film? Um, the entire film? It was, uh, we had about two to three days shooting days down in Florida. We had a couple of shooting days last year in September. And then our bulk of it was about 19 days of, of shooting. We had a really aggressive shoot schedule um, for a feature film, um, doing several scenes a day. And uh, But we had a really good organized crew and and cast who, who were able to kind of get it all done and have a couple of units shooting different things. So um, very aggressive shooting schedule, but we were able to wrap it up. Yeah, that sounds like an aggressive schedule. Uh you typically hear about, oh, you know, three months here, two months on location there, and it took a year for this. And, uh, yeah, if you did it, wrapped it up that quick, that's uh, – you're pretty busy. Um, now, if you would differentiate for me the difference between this film called Mythos and Vengeance. Is this – are they – do they have anything to do with each other? Or are they part of the same thing? Mythos was uh, the beginning project. That was started by Jeremy Brown, um, Dustin Montier. A couple of years ago, they wrote a short story for it. It was supposed to be like a 20 to 30 minute film. Um, and it was based on kind of the mythos of Jason. Why he looks different in every film, um, how he keeps coming back, why does he always leave uh, at least one person alive um, when he's easily able to kill everyone. Um, and so that was kind of the basis around that story. And we had an Indiegogo campaign, um, and we didn't really have a, a ton of followers at the time. So, um, and a lot of uh, attention, you know, we just, we didn't have the right social media presence, anything like that. So not a lot of people knew about it. So we got a little bit funded and it just wasn't enough to complete it. So we, we talked, we had a, a team meeting about it and, and we took all the, the feedback from the fans that we did have. And the majority of the people, they really wanted a full feature length film. And so we, uh, we took that into consideration. We talked about it. And Jeremy Brown, the director, he, he always wanted to do the Elias Borges story. He, he wanted to tell that. And, um, and so we were talking one night and said, well, we, why don't we turn it into a feature and incorporate the Elias Borges story um, and pull that into it as well. And so we decided uh, that we'd give it a shot and then just kind of sit around talking. They're like, well, how cool would it be to have C.J. Graham play Elias? And, uh, and we thought that would be amazing. And so... Um, kicked it around a little bit that night um, and then Jeremy uh, was like should we reach out to him I'm like absolutely what do we have to lose 
And this was uh, June 12th last year. Um, and then he said, so he sent an email out to CJ, sent him the Mythos trailers, the, the concept, what we're talking about, we're introducing the live story. Asked about if he was interested, and CJ said, yeah, give me a call tomorrow, which we did. And, uh, and he agreed uh, to be a part of the project, which happened to be Friday, June 13th. So oh, wow. ever since then, uh, yeah. So CJ agreed on Friday the 13th last year in June, Jason's birthday. Um, and then we, we basically pulled in Mike Mead. He's an amazing writer. Um, he developed a story around that. And in the end, we got rid of about 90% of the mythos story. Um, the full feature didn't really lend itself to that concept anymore. It's a great concept. Jeremy had some fantastic, wonderful ideas around it. Um, but it just didn't lend itself well. So we had to make the hard choice to, um, to move on from that and, and just make this whole new concept and story, which Mike did a phenomenal job with. And it all came together. Um, and we, we brought our backers from Mythos over into Vengeance and, um, and it just kind of evolved. So. I always wondered why Hollywood, I guess it would be Hollywood or whoever the powers that be, I wonder why they never touched on the Elias Voorhees story because I think I read something about it, like it, he appeared in the comics or something like that, and what I read about it sounded really interesting, like a cool spin on the, the, the mythos of Jason Voorhees because you hear so much about his mom, obviously, but there's like nothing at all in the main movies about his dad. I wonder why Hollywood's never touched on that because it seems like a really interesting uh, thing to, to bring up for Jason. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like completely untapped um, storytelling right there. There's, you know, like you said, a few comic books. Um, Tom McLaughlin, who directed Part 6, he was actually going to um, end the end of Part 6 with um, a bit about Elias Voorhees. Um, he had, you can look online and you can find the, the storyboard drawings of it and everything with Elias showing up to the cemetery um, where it's... Um, Pamela Voorhees and Jason Voorhees' tombstones are and talking to the groundskeeper there. Um, but they, they decided not to film it. They decided to cut that part out. Um, and and that was going to be Tom's vision for the next film, uh, for part seven. But then part seven became what we know it today. So yeah. it never got done. Um, but we were able to take elements from that. And uh, Tom McLaughlin actually helped us out a bit on this film. Um, and we ran our stories and concepts past him. He kind of gave us what his thoughts and ideas were about it. And, uh, and this is really extremely helpful. He's a phenomenal human being and just really supportive and, and came out to set and hung out with us for a couple of days. It was great. That's awesome. And it's really cool getting C.J. Graham to play a loss. Uh, of course, the people listening that, that don't know, C.J. Graham played Jason in Part 6. Now he's Jason's dad. Uh, did you get any pointers or tips from C.J.? Did he kind of coach you along on, you know, Jason's uh, stance and his cadence and his overall? Did he give you a lot of good advice? Oh, absolutely. I mean, C.J. has been nothing short of amazing to me. He's just he's taken me under his wing. He's been so supportive. Um, you know, I was a little bit nervous going into it. Like, here I'm stepping into their territory. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. And he just was, from the very first time I met him, um, and the first time I did meet him was at his house. He invited uh, Dustin, our director of photography, and I down to his place. And um, so we could do some interviews and get some production photos of him. 
and when we got there, he was just so welcoming, and um, and I was nervous, but I told him, I was like, you know, I've been watching probably with 20-something hours of footage, behind-the-scenes documentaries with these guys talking. I really wanted to make sure I was really embodying Jason Voorhees, um, all aspects. I wanted to get in their heads, and not just kind of mimic some movements, uh, which anyone could do. I wanted to really understand their thought process, like, because there's going to be things that I do that they've never done, so how would they conceive of Jason doing this? And he was really helpful. He was, you know, he told me some pointers about being Jason, um, saying, you know, he, he likes to lead with his chest. He would hold his breath, which would make him appear bigger, and then walk with power. Every foot step has power to it. And, um, and he was, you know, dead. He was zombie Jason, so he didn't think that Jason should breathe. And, uh, and so he just told me um, some of the things that he did and kept in mind when he did it. Um, same with Steve. Um, Steve told me some of his things, but ultimately Steve said, you know what, just be yourself. You know, just do your own thing and it'll be great. I've seen you move, I've seen you do it, you got it, just do it. So, um, but yeah, CJ has, outside of being Jason, he's just giving me some life advice. Um, I've been invited to a lot of conventions lately and he's called me up before my first one and said, hey, I see you're going to conventions now and he just talked to me for an hour. On his own, he just called me up and said, here's some things to consider, here's what you need to do, go get yourself some of this, this, and this, and, and he's just been an amazing, amazing support, so. Yeah, uh, C- we had CJ on the show a while back, and a super, super nice guy. I can imagine how cool he is to work with. Um, now, the last we saw of that version of Jason, he was at the bottom of the lake with the chain around his neck, with the, the stone holding him down. Uh, things weren't looking too good for him. Um, you know, of course, we're tiptoeing around spoilers. We don't want to get any spoilery, but I'm imagining there's there's probably – did you have to do some tank work? I'm sure there was some water involved somewhere. Uh, did you do your own stunts and stuff like that? Yep. I did all my own stunts, um, and there was some tank work. Um, we did a couple things, and you've seen it in the teaser trailer out there. Also, the, the full trailer, you can see me under the water um, where Jason kind of wakes up. Um, that was a combination of a couple of places. It was a lake um, that we talked about earlier and where you see me actually walking out of the lake um, with the chain around my neck carrying that, that stone, that boulder, um, just walking out with it. And then um, we did some of the close-up work and uh, things we saved inside of a pool. Again, on Sean Lutzis' property, he used that swimming pool, which we um, set, dressed, and, and masked up for uh, just like they would for part six um, and did some some shots under the water in the pool so that's really cool a, a lot of people may not realize you, you can't just throw on a hockey mask and grab a machete and be Jason there's a lot more to it a lot of makeup a lot of prosthetics a lot of a lot of time goes into I can imagine into that transformation how long does it take you to to go from Jason Brooks to Jason Voorhees, like what is the? Do you spend a lot of time in the makeup chair every day on set? Uh, no, I was, I was actually fortunate. The mask I have is a silicone hood, which is one large piece, and it slips on, um, fits to my face perfectly, and moves with my skin, moves with everything. So uh, modern technology and and appliances, medical appliances, come a long way. So. It didn't really take too much time. It took about 15 minutes, um, 15 to 20 minutes to get in costume um, fully. 
with all the different layers and pieces and things that go together and to have it um, look right, fit right for continuity, you're just, yeah, about 15 or 20 minutes. And then uh, just getting into character, so. But you're right, it's not it's not just about throwing a, a mask on and walking around swinging a machete. There's, there is a way that Jason exists and moves. And you can see um, several uh, videos out there online of people who cosplay Jason um, and other fan films. A lot of uh, great you know footage out there, and uh, a lot of fans wearing the costume. And you can kind of tell sometimes the way sometimes some people move, and some you see, oh yeah, that has a Jason feel to it. And other times there's a great costume, but they don't quite move the same. They just it's he has a personality in his movements, and right, and it's something that uh, that it's not easy to really pinpoint. You had mentioned earlier, of course, you're a big fan of the franchise as well. Was there a moment when you first like put on the the outfit for the first time and saw yourself in the mirror? Was there like a fanboy moment there where you kind of geeked out a little bit? No, there was actually. Um, <laughs> it was so with the Vengeance costume. It's different than the Mythos costume because you had that one, which is based on Part Six, and so I that played Jason at a haunted house. Um, I've, done, I've gone to conventions dressed as the Freddy vs. Jason version. That's the one I'd wear at the Haunted House as well. And then the Mythos Jason was very much part six. So putting that on was kind of cool. But then, uh, but I didn't really geek out because um, it just felt like, oh yeah, I'm just trying a different version of the costume on. But when we got the Vengeance costume finally put together after months of just, you know, sketches and concepts and and um, I went through a couple different versions of what should he look like. We wanted a new look, something that was different that could be ours, and uh, but based on that part six. But how do you take that and make it look different and menacing? And so um, I worked on that, that costume concept, and then I worked with uh, the company who made the hood, uh, the silicone hood in the face. And then we also, um, Brian Hargrave, uh, Splat Borges, he, he's my... Uh, my guy I go to for, for mask making. And he made about seven different masks in concept. Like we went back and forth a lot with, we want it to look like this and look like this. And, um, and it just wasn't right until finally, the one that you see today, he came out with. And then the moment he said that, we all knew that was the one. Um, like we had so many cool concepts he made that were amazing in their own right. But the one that came down to it was the, uh, the one that you see and we just all fell in love and just knew that was the Vengeance Jason. So once I got all those different pieces and they all came in and I put them all on and looked at the mirror, I felt like, yep, we've got something here. And uh, then I kind of geeked out a little bit. So. Yeah, let's talk about the mask a little bit because that's a big, you know, iconic thing. And the hardcore fans, you know, really pay close attention because the mask has changed varied slightly between each film which is a good thing because people like me won't like you know like i got the part six mask myself and they want the they want their jason's mask from the movie that's their favorite or some people like get all of them and stuff like that uh being that you're um coming off of basically the same jason that cj played i imagine you you would start from the mask he had, but then you had to add, I'm guessing, boat damage from the propeller. And of course, Jason's been underwater for 30 years, so you know what does that do to a mask? I'm sure y'all incorporated that in there too. Exactly. 
Exactly. And we wanted it to look like it was sitting underwater for 30 years, aged, maybe had some algae growing on it a little bit. So when you look at the details in the mask, there's tiny bits of green um, coloring in there. There's all kinds of weathering. Um, the axolens looks like maybe the blood has kind of oxidized and changed the actual physical mask, like coloring around the axolens. And, and then the boat damage. We had, um, you know, in part seven, it's on Jason's left side. And we we wanted to be true to that, but it was like, you know what, the boat damage actually happened on the right side. So we decided, we were like toying with the idea of just having it on the right side. Um, but then we were like, well, why not do both, you know? And then um, because you, the way they fought the, uh, the video in part six, it could have happened on both sides or the damage the water for 30 years, you know, with what's going on, it could have damaged. So um, that's where we decided to do damage on both sides, and I think that's what kind of gives it its, its look um, and uh, it has it stand out a little bit. So uh, the way that Brian ultimately pulled that together um, took to that concept, um, the uh, kind of the bleeding eyes concept, um, where like all this time they do is just kind of like running down. Um, the whole thing just kind of fading away. It just, yeah, that's ultimately what it came to, and and we couldn't be happier. Awesome. Uh, when you first landed the role, did you like go out and binge watch all the the movies for inspiration? Did you did you rewatch all of them to, to kind of get in the right headspace? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the moment I got it, I went back and watched every one of them. Um, did a big marathon. And then I started looking at some of the behind-the-scenes um, stuff. I looked at documentaries. I, I just really, really heavily invested in it. And because I wanted, um, I, I knew how lucky I was to be able to get the role. Um, and I was not about to take that for granted. And I knew what kind of responsibility that would be for, um, for having that role. So many people wanted to be that Jason. So many people were worthy of being that Jason. I did not want to, for one minute, like let it go. You know, I wanted to really be true to the character, um, do right by the fans, do right by the story, do right by everything. So um, I, I did. I heavily invested in the story and the character as soon as I got it. What is your favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie? It's Besides Vengeance, <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, I have a lot of favorites, and I have favorite parts from each one, but part six, just the, the horror and the humor, and it's just fun, because they get dark sometimes, and they are lighthearted sometimes, they take them so seriously, but they don't, it's just, it's a great, fun, fun story. Yeah, it's a really important movie for the fans, because part four was a home run, everybody agrees that it's, part four was amazing, and then part five oh, yeah. didn't really stick well with the fans because it, it wanded up not being Jason, you know what I mean? And so they're, yep. even though it, it had its moments, you know, like all of them do, part oh, five had a bad taste just, in everybody's yeah. mouth, and then six was like the salvation. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, part five was a great film in its own right. You know, I think it, like you said, having it not be Jason at the end was just disappointing to a lot of people. It was a twist that they didn't want, and I think that that's what kind of throws that off is people really want that Jason same, same with part 9 you know it's part 5 part 9 they both have amazing kills um, amazing stories but people want Jason there and 
they don't want Jason's soul or ghost going through other people. They want to see the hockey mask. They want to see that killer. Um, and uh, and the same with Part Five, they they got that, but then it wasn't him. So you feel like you're robbed a little bit. Yeah. But um, but they're both great movies with great kills, great effects. So yeah, I remember. And you applaud them for trying something new. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I just remember being in. I, I guess the first thing I saw was maybe a promotional poster or something uh, back in '86, or maybe it was even '85 because the movie didn't come out till '86 when they were promoting it. And I saw that poster, and it said "Jason Lives," and I, I and the you know they had the mask on there and had like the graveyard in the background. I just knew right away just that perfect title. I was like, "Yes, he's back." <laughs> yeah, they told the audience like, "Yeah, it's Jason this time." Yeah. Is there any other uh, franchise you would like to explore uh, in the same way, the same vein that you, y'all have kind of done the Friday the 13th franchise? Is there another one that you would like to, to try out in the horror genre? Um, I mean, I love Halloween. I love that franchise. I mean, that was the first horror movie I ever saw as a child was um, the first Halloween. And I think I was about eight years old. Um, I was over on Halloween night. Um, a bunch of kids were over uh, the parents were going out for some sort of ha- adult Halloween party and there's a babysitter watching us and the babysitter is watching Halloween on HBO and uh, I was able to catch catch it and watch it and that was my first introduction into horror and I uh, didn't even know such a thing existed for that but um, so I have a soft spot for, for Michael um, and I would like to try that and also Leatherface I think would be a really mm. fun character to play yeah yeah, that'd be really cool. And I was wondering, how, I don't know how that stuff works, but if you think about it, Halloween is an actual, you know, holiday. So they can't really, I don't know if they can even really copyright that. So I don't know why nobody's done a Halloween movie, you know? Like, taking it on their, oh, yeah. on their own to do. Well, there's been a couple. A couple shorts out there. But, um, but yeah. I think it would be cool. And, you know, us fans, we're all, all the time throwing out our ideas. <laughs> uh it would be so cool, like you, if you do Jason in this, and then if y'all did a, a Halloween movie and you played Michael, and then the next one after that you put them together, <laughs> have a versus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a Jason versus Michael Myers film out there right now. Oh, really? Um, I need to check well that out. Done. Yeah, it's pretty well done. It's gotten quite a few views. Um, several people have sent it to me, and they did a good job on it. Nice. I'll check that out tonight. Um, Okay, so the movie's coming out in uh, late July, early August, from what I understand, right? And how is it coming out? Where is it, where is it going to be available? It'll be available on Vimeo, YouTube, for free everywhere. Um, there's going to be a couple of premieres um, around, the, around the country. Um, we just announced the Blairstown, New Jersey premiere. Uh, C.J. Graham and I are, are being taken out there. We're going to go um, to that premiere. There's going to be two showings, and fans can come out and uh, attend that, um, get autographs, etc. And then we're going to show the movie there at the same time during the, the Blairstown, New Jersey, Friday the 13th Museum Grand Opening. So we're really lucky to be a part of that. Um, it's going to be a fantastic time. Ari Lehman is coming out there the night before and doing an event, so he'll be there too. Uh, it'll just be fantastic. And so that's, that's one of our big premieres. And then we're also going to have a couple of local premieres up in Seattle, We'll have a private cast and crew premiere, um, but there's been a lot of theaters and a lot of um, places reaching out asking to 
to show it. So there will be some opportunities around to be able to go see um, the film. And, uh, but it will also be available for free for everyone on, on YouTube and Vimeo. And then we'll open up orders for some DVDs and Blu-rays at some point as well. Well, I wasn't expecting it to, to be free. Well, were y'all able to do that uh, But because of the GoFundMe account and everything? Like that, that built up the revenue to, to be able to release it for free? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, Go, uh, the Kickstarter, that money all goes to the production, and anything beyond the production value goes to the Shriners Children's Hospital. And so to date, we've given over $22,000 to the Shriners Children's Hospital because of this project. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. We don't really talk about that enough, I think. <laughs> we should maybe uh, do that. But we're hoping that like once we're done, you know, we'll have a total number that we can kind of share with the world. But that's where we're at so far. And uh, because of the IP rights and everything, we, we are not allowed to make any money on the film. So we're not selling it. We're not charging tickets to see it. Um, the Blairstown Museum, um, that event is uh, the price to that, but that's because of the entire event. Um, the movie's being shown for free um, to those particular people at the event, but um, but they're getting autographs. There's, I think, food involved. There's museum entry. There's all kinds of things that come with that. But otherwise, the uh, the other showings and everything else are are free. So, and if memory serves me correct me uh, correctly, I, I watched an interview with you and CJ, and didn't he say like I think he took like his whole salary that he made on this movie and donated it to the children's hospital as well, right? He did. He did. Um, same with Steve Dash. We've all been there. Like, nobody, there's not a single person on this staff who has earned a single penny. Like, no one at all. We have um, probably 100 people in there cast, crew, extras, everything. And everyone donated their time. Um, all that money that would have gone to salary has gone to the children's hospitals. Um, and it's just been a wonderful thing. Like, how often do you get to do what you love and benefit children in need? Absolutely. You know, it's just been great. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Uh, not only am I going to get to see, as a fan, a really awesome movie, but knowing that you know it's going towards a, a good cause as well, that's really cool. Um, as we kind of wind yeah. down here, um, is there anything else you've got going on in the works you can tell us about or want to promote? Do you have any other GoFundMes or Kickstarters or, or any projects that uh, you want to talk about, appearances? Um, no, I mean, at this time, we're really, just kind of focused on getting vintage wrapped up. Um, I'm part of a couple of other movie projects coming up. Um, like, there's a television show concept called Medics um, being produced by a guy named Don Shell. You can find that on my IMDb. Um, Snowballs is another project that I'm a part of. Uh, and that one's led by uh, Jules Valenti, who um, wrote this story. It's about. Um, military and PTSD and whatnot, and that's an amazing story that's um, being put together right now, and uh, a couple other things that people are talking about, but nothing real official yet. And then in the meantime, just been invited to a few conventions, gonna make some appearances, um, sign some autographs, meet some fans, and finish up vengeance. So. Yeah, I can imagine there's going to be a high demand for appearances, especially after the movie comes out. I hope um, hope you get to make it down this way in the southeast. We'll definitely definitely come out for uh, get you to sign my mask and a DVD. Well, man, I sure appreciate you calling in, taking some time out to, to hang with us for a minute. Uh, really, really, really looking forward to the film, and uh, we're going to definitely uh, get the word out to everybody best we can on our end and make sure everybody's aware of it and 
we can't wait till wait till it hits the you said Vimeo and YouTube can't wait till it comes out yeah absolutely thank you so much really appreciate the support all right man well you have a good afternoon and uh thanks again we'll talk to you later thank you too take care all right bye-bye yeah, bye-bye shadow stalkers paranormal is a non-profit organization a level-headed team with a knowledgeable background who tries to explain and debunk, not taking things solely as paranormal. They try to help their clients with an understanding about the paranormal. Shadow Stalkers Paranormal also gives back to the community by way of sponsorships such as this one, fundraisers for historical sites and individuals with terminal illnesses. They strive to make their team better and make a difference. You can find them on Facebook, facebook.com slash shadowstalkersparanormal38821. They're ready to believe you. I have to, like, re, I have to readjust because you're on the other side now. Uh-oh. I had to move you away from the air conditioner, which I will not turn off again. It's not happening. It's good that you I turned see. it off for the interview, though. Absolutely. Yeah. I could hear him a lot better with the, with the air. Oh, you're recording, aren't you? Yes, we I all recording. a crazy thought where y'all was uh, muffin aluminum. We all beer can muffins. Oh, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, those beer can muffins? I was sitting there looking at your big Batman doll. Action figure. Excuse uh, me. Yeah, we don't call them dolls, bro. Uh, They're totally action we figures. We should get some uh, some uh, casting sand and, and cast him, and y'all make a big aluminum beer An can aluminum Batman. Batman. Holy shit, that'd be amazing. Y'all got enough. Oh, yeah. Y'all got enough to do it. We got a lot. Of ingots. I That's what they're called. They're not beer can muffins. Beer can muffins. Jesus, that sounds a lot better. <laughs> they're ingots. Okay. You in words. Pure aluminum, too. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, it would, pure. I think it would be cool to have a... Uh, and just for those of you that don't know, they're listening. Uh, Kelly built like this forge thing. This small... Would you call it a foundry? It's a forge. A foundry is like the whole... Yeah, the whole I guess, yeah. I don't know. It's a Kelly Foundry. Some metalworking stuff. And uh, we melt beer cans periodically down into these ingots. And we use a muffin tin, so that's why he's saying beer can muffins. Beer can muffins. muffins. And like one little one little muffin, and I'm using my sarcastic air quotes, one of your little muffins, <laughs> constitutes about 80 to 100 beer cans. Because a beer can is not pure, or you know, a Coke can, any kind of can, it's not pure aluminum. There's a lot of trash in it to like the tab a lot of people think that's aluminum but uh i think it's tin tin or not yeah. steel that'd be and uh, and the paint and all that stuff yeah. you know like there's a lot of trash there's and it floats to the top and you rake it off and you pour it into the thing but and the reason we do that is because we were later down the road going to make some castings like you're talking about and you want to get it to a pure aluminum form before you you know that's the first step is to purify it because we don't have enough hobbies around here. You, yes, you need to make us. <laughs> we need one more. You need to make an aluminum Batman, and you need to make a. I'm totally fine with that. And you need to make a skull totem microphone stand. You know, I want the the top. And if anybody's out there that can can help me with this, or if you can do it yourself, I want the end of the microphone that holds it to be a skeleton's hand holding it for me, like it's holding my microphone. I got you. Yeah. You got me. I, I or hell, make it the whole like from the, from right here. Like this, an arm. Make the whole the whole radius on everything. Arm. I would put lights and stuff on it so everybody could see it, like on at shows. That'd that'd be pretty, that's pretty awesome. I'm, you can get to do that at aluminum. You can do that at a resin. I mean, you know, whatever. You got, you, but you got aluminum, so why whatever not? Whatever it takes, bro. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 
right. However, I'm whatever I'm you need to get us there, let's get there. All right. So, uh, oh, before we move on, I think it's cool that you're going to be making uh, bottle openers. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, but I've been. And you do engraving too, don't you? Huh? Engraving? engraving? No, or I did, did not. Did you get uh, Laura's mom to do that? I got yeah, I got my mom to do that. Because it'd be cool to have some like engraved with like real pop culture. Or, Hundred o'clock brewery. If I can, if I can get this down, uh, in, a, in the rustic way that I'm gonna do it, and make yeah, it you look, want them to look old school, and make it look decent, uh, then make it look like an antique. Yeah, I don't want to, but I'm yeah, I got a lot of. They're so easy to make, and I've like I've watched videos of like bottle openers that are these big, huge Goldberg machines on how to open a bottle. This crazy. Like, you put the bottle in there and you flip a switch and it takes, like, you know, four or five seconds for the bottle opens. It's pretty cool. But, you know, I'm not doing anything like... Oh, it's awesome. Uh, Adam Savage didn't, uh, built one. Okay. Adam Savage done it's okay, right? I just don't want to wait four or five seconds oh, no, no, for no, my no, beer to be you know open. what I mean. It's, uh, I want to get it open as fast but, uh, as possible. I, I like that kind of stuff. So, I'm just I'm going to build some bottle openers that are a little overkill for a church basically a church key or a bar key uh bar keys yeah that's what they call them. uh those big bar tool guns, bar, bar yeah, tool yeah. yeah you could like hit somebody in the head with one of those bad yeah, boys this little, the little, use it as a weapon little flat. you would not make it to an airport no. i'm gonna no you're not but i, I like <laughs> if i had a uh, a full-blown torch i would make some out of thicker metal just to like you know as a weapon yeah that, the metal working in my brief <laughs> knife making career it's it's really interesting like uh only made one knife and i've got plans i had plans to make more obviously i've cut out another one um i just that's one of those hobbies that i i still would like to do it's great but i don't have to wait till i like some stuff's just gonna have to wait till i retire exactly that's me that's (laughs) me i just gotta put that on the back burner for now but it's really interesting how that works it's like, how to temper the steel it's like me and making beer, but I refuse to wait till I retire. <laughs> yeah, we put that on the front burner. <laughs> I just, I just found, I just found other friends I can talk to give me money a month to boot. <laughs> yeah, we, we figured out a way. Dude, we've said this on here before, but brewing your own beer is really economic. Especially because you're drinking. This is a thing. Craft beer. We have made a beer, a five-gallon batch of beer that costs. $70. Okay, let's do a little bit of math here just to right. give everybody the, the picture. Yeah. How many 24 ounce servings is in five gallons? Uh, is it a gallon? 20, of uh, there is 55 ounce? 12 ounce bottles in a five gallon batch of beer. So 55 beers. Okay, now how much would you pay? I know a case of like Michelob Ultra or Miller Lite, which this is not. This is way better. But uh, it's if you're almost paying a dollar a beer. It's like $22, $23 for 24. Yeah. A uh, six pack of fat tire costs about nine bucks. Yeah, the craft beer, which is so, what we're making. And, that, and there's something that costs more, but that's a good average craft beer that's been out for a while. It costs about eight to nine dollars, depending on where you get it at. I've got it for eight, I've got it for, you know, so nine. So it's just like eight bucks for a six pack of of a decent craft beer. Uh, for six. For six. We're making 55. So eight. For like 20. Yeah. Now we've made we've made some. It's, it depends on how much grain you want to use. We make beer, by the way. <laughs> in case you're just tuning in, you're, you're the first time you ever. We just kind of. Uh, I like how we just just naturally went into you, that. You thought you was going to be hearing about comic books when you're hearing about beer. Uh, I think they go hand in hand. No, yeah, they go hand. But yeah, um, but we have made beer that cost the barley. Which keeps talking. I'm gonna grab me one. The barley wine cost 
Well, we made 10 gallons off of the barley wine grains, but we spent 80 bucks on the barley wine grains and cops and everything. And we made 10 gallons off of that 80 bucks. So $40, $40 a beer, $40, $40 per five gallons. Yeah, uh, and it's like anything else, the better you get at it, the more efficient you, you yeah. become with your stuff. But one of our favorites that we just made, that we just were about to tap any second now, uh, cost, close. cost $22. And, and it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's one of our favorites. Why is it so good? We were Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because this is one of those conversations we had that we should have recorded so we can have it now because yeah. we are recording. Is that how is it that sometimes the hops, the bitterness, a lot of times smooths out, but then sometimes it comes through. I think with age, with you, I think it's that you drink a lot of ultra in between each session. What are you saying? You think in between each drink, you drink a lot of ultra. So when you do drink that, I also drink some really hoppy beers as well. And they're and they're really hot, but in between each one, you're you dulled your palate down. So when you do get it. It's like a punch in the it's, it's a punch well, in the What I'm talking about is age. I'm talking about like a certain beer that was a little hop forward and then weeks later it's it's smoother. I don't know. Versus I like this one, the smash, where the hops have come through and made being strong, which I'm fine with. I, I, it's become an IPA. I think we're it uh, turned into an IPA. I think we're at the bottom of the barrel and we'll get some trash. <laughs> There might, there, might that's, some, that's there might be some hop trash we in the bottom get, of it. We might want to look at the clarity, which I'm fine with. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've been drinking coffee through a French press. I've been drinking out of a solo cup. And so I don't I mind seen. that there's sediment at the bottom right. when I drink that last sip, because that just means you're getting just. But if you like the last beer I just brewed was a Vienna malt smash, and uh, it cost less than twenty dollars to make. Five gallons. For five gallons. And, and you probably, of course, now if you account for your your sediment, but you don't lose. Oh, I, I yeah, that was five and a quarter gallons. I'm going to lose about half a gallon, so I won't have almost. I'll have five gallons of beer. Oh, okay. So you compensate. I compensated for, the cake. for that. I'll have for the cake. I'll have okay. five gallons of beer. What do they call that in uh when you're making? I don't know why it's, it's a different name for it. But the same damn thing. If you're making mead, it's called lease. A troop. And they call it Troub. Yeah. It's beer or Trub or... And the reason why it cost $20 is because I had to buy, you know, a pack of yeast that cost five bucks. But... I was, okay, you're going yeah, where but, I was fixing to go. Uh, I'm going to save this yeast and I'm going to wash it in... in yes, in, that's in, a... No, that's, in, that's, in, that goes that back was, to what I was saying. You get more economical. The yeast, sometimes, depending on what kind you get, is expensive. But you can wash it because you get more. Yeah. You yeah, because it grows. Because it grows. Yeah, it grows. But uh, it's exponentially. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll get two to three times as much out of that one pack that I can use again. I mean, yeah. if you really wanted to be frugal, these people that, that wash their yeast, they'll get like three mason jars. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they add, that's after cantering and everything. Is it cantering or decant? Decanting. Um, but if you were really frugal, you didn't have to use that whole freaking jar in a five gallon bag. No, I don't think we're so. We're using a packet. A yeah, tiny little envelope. There's a lot in that packet. If you start shaking it out, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of dry, dried in there. I've never had an issue with dry yeast. Everybody goes, oh, liquid, and just do a starter. Bro. Okay, this is, okay. Oh, yeah. I don't understand this, because I watch a lot of videos, and they always pour their yeast into some liquid or, or like yeah. water to activate it first. 
I'm like, dude, you're pouring it into liquid. You uh, realize that, yeah. right? Like, it's going into five gallons yeah. of liquid. I've done both, and I see no difference. So yeah. I just dump it. I don't know why that's important to yeah. some people, but they, they're really meticulous about yeah, that. Yeah, I've done I've seen like, no you just throw the yeast in there? I see no difference. It's like, yeah. What's the difference between you putting it in a small thing of liquid and us putting it in a big thing of no, liquid? It's, it's, it's no different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not water, but, you know, it's... it's I, I don't, waking I, it up. I don't know. Either way. I've, with certain dry yeast are different. All of them are different. This one, the one I just done within the next day, within 24 hours, it was bubbling pretty good. I've had some that, like a Nottingham yeast, it's bubbling within a few, this bubbling, but 12 hours later, like when I done the stout and I used a Nottingham yeast, it's so aggressive. When I walked in from night shift that morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, I thought I had a water leak. Oh, wow. It was yeah, cutting up. It that was hard. cutting up. But That's it's a very, very fast, aggressive yeast. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it though, you will hear it from another room. <laughs> and not, it's not like, <laughs> like some are. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's boiling water. Wow. Uh, let's talk about this. This is a new beer you brought over today that I'm drinking right now out of this awesome glass. That may or may not have been stolen for me. <laughs> <laughs> I made that beer, and just because I was making stuff I haven't done before, and I never would, and and I made a cream ale. We made that cream ale, and the cream ale was a pretty successful batch, as far as making it was. We, we had a we had a catastrophe with the letter on, <laughs> but we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about it. But uh, it's too soon, this is a uh, this is called a Kentucky Common, and it's got a, it's got corn in it like the cream ale does, but it's got a little some roasted malt in there just to make yeah, it. What was the name of that roasted malt you put in this? Black Patton. Black Patton. That yeah. sounds cool. Yeah, that sounds very official. Uh, like it's patented. <laughs> Black Patton. And it gives it a good color too. That gives when it the you color. This cream ale, you're thinking like it's going to be really blonde. Yeah. But this has kind of got yeah. almost like a Amber almost color. like. Yeah. It's an amber. Like amber cream ale is what I would call it, I guess. Because of the black patent. Uh, makes it like darker. Yeah. But it's uh, a Kentucky Common. It's basically before, right around Prohibition. This is what everybody in that Kentucky area you would drink would be Kentucky Common beer. Uh, from what I read about it. And when I first made it, I didn't like it. I said, oh, I'm gonna, this would be the... I knock, knock on something. This is going to be the first batch of beer we've had to pour out. Because we haven't had to pour any out. We yeah. had some we didn't like. We, we had didn't some care. we didn't care for. But we had some we didn't care for, but it was still beer. drinkable beer that we just didn't care for. And I was going to consider... I don't really care for ultras. I just drink them between good beers. Considering because I drink volume. pouring this beer out. Like, I was going to pour it out. And I, and I just gave it time. And it's gotten it's gotten better. And then I just brought it to the main cave and hooked it up. Because you were making this for something else. But right. The, the studio here benefited from your mistake. <laughs> yes. It's not what I was looking for in a beer, but uh, it turned out to be... It's a beer. I mean, it's a drinkable beer. It's a good summertime. Oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this. It's hot as hell outside you, you, beer. Remember what I said when I first tasted it? I said, you, I could picture this in a Yeti cup. <laughs> yeah, the kind with the lid. While I'm in the it. cup holder of your <laughs> riding mower. <laughs> yes. While you're mowing the yard. But, uh, if this was in a can, I would just crush the can. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah it's gone. And it's only got like 4% alcohol in it, so it's not a very... 
not a monster. It's, a, it's a, not a monster. It's a big slammable beer. It that tastes should... like it has more alcohol than it does just because would, of that dark malt. Yeah, I would call it a beach beer. It's a good beach beer. Right? <laughs> I love our... We just I mean, it's a beer you sit on the beach and drink. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to sit on a drink. Beer. You're not going to sit on the beach Listen and to the beach boys. drink an oatmeal stout. That I'm going to name this beach boy. You <laughs> the, have a name for it. The beach, no, I don't. Uh, Kentucky Beach. Beachfront Kentucky property there. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Beach. Kentucky Beach. That's what it's called. <laughs> we like giving our beers silly names. Kentucky Beach. We set the bar high, though. <laughs> yeah. With Raptor Piss. With Raptor Piss. <laughs> I know this new Vienna Lager. Vienna, it's like kind of like a Vienna Lager, but it's an ale. It's a Vienna ale. Uh, I'm super excited about it. Uh, we, it's a Kelly beer. We made it for Kelly. Kelly should like this. That's. He I should like the Kentucky probably. Beach. Probably. See, it feels right. Uh, Kentucky Beach. Every time you say, every time you say, every time you say that, I think of something, and it's goes along with the podcast I get because I'm so freaking old everybody out there uh, I remember Commodore 64 had a Commodore 64 had a game called Beachhead on a tape <laughs> on a tape deck because we, 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 we didn't have enough money to have a CD CD we had to use the tapes no they, it wasn't a CD it was uh, just like a five and a quarter yeah the flop the, not a flop is yeah. a big ass and they yeah. did tape but they didn't ever that's not CD when I said CD that's what I meant uh, I've drank two Marisaders. Yeah, you're about a decade ahead of the technology. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, the taste, beachhead. Every time you say Kentucky Beach, that's what I think of. His beachhead from the Commodore 64. When did Bad Dudes come out? Oh, Lord. I know it came out on arcade, but it was never on Commodore. No, no, I don't think. Like the coolest thing, well, the, my favorite on Commodore would have been like Pitfall. And then you had that Pitfall 2, and you're like, this is the same game. <laughs> it's like Pitfall Continued. Did you have a coming on? Oh, no, but a family member did. Like, uh, my cousin would bring, would bring his over and hook it up to the TV. And we'd play yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so it was really cool. No, I didn't. My first game system was an 8-bit NES, and I was really late to the party. Like, all my friends had Nintendo's way before I did, so it was kind of weird. When I showed up to school talking about Mario Brothers, I they're like... Psh. I got Dude, mine. We're totally into Techno Bowl now. I got mine when the new ones come out. Like I got Atari when everybody was getting Nintendo. That's me. And I got a Nintendo when everybody's like, getting Super Nintendo. System. Like I'm, I've got a PlayStation Three out here. And I never can use it, but I played the Batman games on it. Yeah. But I'm not gonna go buy a PlayStation Four. I'm never gonna use it. No, there's no point. I mean, you could. I mean, you could. You'd use it as a Bluetooth, blue, Blu-ray player. I got a Blu-ray player in the computer. And so there you go. Blu-ray drive. Yeah. Before we get off talking about beer, I wanted to talk about something we mentioned again before the podcast. I think a lot of times we're, we uh, judge our beers too hard because we, we drink them too soon. Yes. <laughs> we do. I, and I can't help it. I want to see, the last beers see it, how it worked out. The last two glasses of beer is the best ones out of it. Every time. Every, every, every single time. time. The longer, you know, and that's one misconception before we started making beer that I had about beer. Because, I mean, Bud Light caused me to think this way because I did the Born on Date. Right. They're like, oh, you got to get it fresh. Yeah, yeah, fresh, 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 fresh. No, no you don't. I mean, no. you don't want it to be. Well, dude, it has a lot to do with the grain bill, but our barley wine were aging for six months. Right. 
People would call that green beer. Well, that's going to be delicious. <laughs> well, that's the alcohol content that's going to make creating that aging process. Well, and it's it's preserving it. Yeah, and uh, the hops don't hurt on preservation. Right. Uh, it's this right here, and I'm tapping an ultra can. There ain't enough hops in here to keep this bad boy <laughs> preserved for very long. I want to know that. What's the IBU can on an ultra? Zero. Negative. Negative. One. Negative two. Um, I don't know what's the IBUs of rice. That's what they use, rice powder. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think part of the problem is like we'll we'll drink a beer like this and go, eh, it's okay. Yeah. But it's because it's 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 not old enough. I yeah. think I think you'll you'll like this beer more because you said that you started oh, to pour it out. Yeah. But now it's fine. And then who knows, two week, three weeks from now. I think about a month is a good sweet spot. Once you keg it and carbonate it, I don't know if the carbonation step is necessary. No, because I naturally as far as the aging. But I naturally carbonated this beer. Yeah, but it's still it's going to age either way. But I think a month is a good sweet spot on just your typical craft yeah. beers. Well, I have a regulator now. As soon as I get the fittings and uh, stuff to have a CO two at my house, whenever they get done fermenting, I just hook them up to carbonation. Let them carbonate over there at my house slowly. The slow process of carbonating, not the quick way we usually do. But like I'll hook them up at serving pressure and just let them sit for two weeks. And uh, after they're ready, we'll bring them over here. And then that, that will be better than we normally give it. Yeah. Because normally we just throw in there and it's like, it ain't got no bubbles in it, but it's good. Hey, I don't, <laughs> I've got a remedy. Why don't we just start making so much beer that we have a surplus and it'll have the opportunity to yeah, age? That's another thing. I, <laughs> was gonna, all I wasn't going to talk about it on the podcast, but I was going to talk about it. We need to start. We need to make a brew schedule that we need to keep stick with. Yeah, a brew um, schedule. We're we're. I don't have all the details yet, but there's some big stuff going on uh, over um, the Edge Radio US. Yeah, where we're syndicated through mm-hmm. on Monday nights at eight o'clock. Um, we may start have we may have to get on a schedule with the podcast again. Yeah. We should. It's, it's better. We've been cranking them out pretty decently. Yeah, we, we have. haven't been taking like long breaks. But uh, I don't have all the details yet. But I think we're gonna have to start putting out shows on the reg yeah. on, a, on a regular schedule, and that can coincide. You know. Yeah, I need to. Speaking of, you know, speaking of getting on a regimen, I need to start to see if you got a USB mic like a more. I do. I yeah. got that blue mic. Man, I can just that, hook up and. Uh, I got that blue mic, the Snowball, I think it's called. I listen to so many. I listen to so many audiobooks. I can I can record some content. Yeah. Of, of some sort. Absolutely, anytime. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're we're gonna need more. Um, or if you just want to do it with your phone, as long as you're in a quiet place. Yeah. Not at work. <laughs> Not at work. <laughs> you can't hear shit when I talk no. at work, can you? All I hear is... Background noise. It's horrible. To 10. Um, before the people that don't care about brewing beer tune out, I was going to say... Uh, you know, I told you about that show Swamp Thing? Yes. The TV show that just started? Dude, it is like really good. You need to... What's it on? The DC Universe. Oh, yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. Me and, uh... 
was I talking to about this on the last show? But the streaming wars are begun. Speaking of streaming. There's a bunch of new um, paid app subscription based yeah. stuff coming on the way. There's I got a there's something coming on Amazon Prime and I don't have Prime that's coming on and I wanna I wanna watch. So I mean I've got a Prime account. No, really? Do you? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's legal for me to say this. That's why. Okay. Well, you can edit it out then because <laughs> I'm going to have to use it. Uh, I'm not saying you can have my password. I'm just saying I might can give you my password. I'm not going to order anything off Amazon. If I do, it'll be for the homebrew club. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. You probably use it for that, too. But, uh, yeah, I'll hook you up. Another thing I finally watched, I was late to the party on this, was uh, Glass. Have you seen it yet? I have not. It's good. And seen. this is why I don't like... Uh, this is why I don't like movie reviews, critics. Because I don't think I did this consciously, but I think mentally, because I didn't have time to catch it in the theater, and then now... It's, you know, been out on Blu-ray or whatever for a long time. Or at least a few months, maybe. And I think I'd heard some bad reviews about it or that it was just kind of meh. So I think subconsciously, because I got so much other stuff to watch. and You watched that instead. I think I, I think I just let it almost slip. And I should have watched it sooner because it's really good. It really tied those trilogy together really well. I like it. If there's reviewers out there that say it's not good, they're wrong. There you go. Which happens a lot. Well, there is a segment on this podcast I listen to called... Uh, Do you know how long it's Movies been? that don't suck, don't even, suck though they do. even though people say they do. We haven't done that in forever. It's been a minute. I just missed that theme music that we made for that. Yeah, it's exactly. hilarious. <laughs> it's pretty... I thought of a movie the other day I wanted to do that on, or do it for, but I can't remember where it was now. How what? What are we looking at? Twenty. We're at about twenty-five minutes. What else we need to talk about? Uh, I feel like we talked about beer too much. But that's what we've been doing. That's what we do. It's what we've been doing here most of the time. Hard not to talk about the things we do. Oh, we had a show last night. Uh, I had to work. Kill J had a show in Jackson, Tennessee. At the Naked Turtle. At the Naked Turtle. We haven't done the intro yet. I may talk about it at the intro too. But what I was going to tell you is uh, it was funny because we were going to run through the set. Mm -hmm. Our first plan was everybody meet up because we're all scattered everywhere. We're going to run through the set, load the trailer, haul ass to Tennessee. Well, then Sean came back and said, hey, I got to work. Oh. So we're not going to be able to practice. I was like, we'll do it live. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's fine. I mean, we've been playing shows. Like, we're not that rusty. Yeah. Then, the day of, he said he don't have to work. So we get here. We set everything up because we're still tore down from the last gig, which was, what, the mud bog thing? Yeah. And we set everything up. We run through the set. Or we're going through the set. And this just dark of blackness comes <laughs> over. Like, yeah. I, I'm looking out the window and there's no sunlight. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this reason to come a hell. Like, I don't want to load this gear out in the rain. Right. I don't get our gear wet. So we had to stop practice. 
to load the gear. We should have never even, like, if I'd have known that, we'd never even set the shit up in the first place. So we had to tear everything down to a mad dash to get the trailer loaded and then haul ass to Jackson. So that's why this room is in such a disarray. Yeah. That ties into why you asked me why my guitar was laying. Laying in the floor like somebody. It probably, you know, yeah. Just threw it. Threw it while just you know. kicked it. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to get the hell out of here before the bottom fell out. It was a good show. Had a good time. The first time we'd played Jackson, Tennessee in a while. I thought it was our first time ever. Well. <laughs> I'm such an ass. It was Blake's first time. <laughs> I was giving it, yeah, I was, I was teasing him about that too. Because he made that thing that said, we're making our debut. Your debut, Jack, yeah. And I was like, well, okay, what about the other 25, 30 <laughs> times we play there? But yeah, it was a long time ago. That's one thing about the band that's kind of fun right now. Sean brought this up yesterday on the way to Jackson. Is that we've been doing this so long now. And even though I didn't think it was awesome that we took this long break between drummers, uh, it's almost like a new thing again. Yeah. it's new people. Yeah. Like yeah, the people that come to the shows now don't remember the other remember, yeah, yeah. This is a new band to them. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of keeps it fresh, you know. Yeah. It's a whole, all oh, new. Yeah. Every now and then you'll get, like there was one guy that was with one of the other bands last night. I said, man, y'all still doing it. Yeah. I remember from you guys from back in the day, man. How <laughs> do I gave him that voice? That's not what he sounded like. <laughs> it works. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we played with Collision Theory. They're from around there. They were real good. And see, Rob and them were booked in Lexington, Tennessee, which I didn't know existed. They had been, I've been sitting on Facebook, they're going to be in Lexington. I thought they were going to Kentucky. No. Oh. Because it's like a festival or whatever. Yeah. I thought they were going to Lexington, Kentucky. Well, I get there, and they're there. At the show, seeking seven is huh. like, dude, like our show got canceled. I'm like, you drove all the way from Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> but no, 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 it was Lexington, Tennessee. So they put them on the bill since it's just oh, okay. two bands. So they got they got cool. to play too. That was cool. But they know them though. though. I mean, they play. Oh yeah, they yeah. played a purple. Matter of fact, uh, Jenny, the girl that books most of, if not all, the shows at the Naked Turtle, as of today is managing Seeking 7 now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it was announced today on Facebook. So, what else we got? Is that it for an outro? That was a good interview, man. Yeah, I think it was. was. I couldn't hear it from where I was at, but I've heard bits and pieces. We've had two Jasons on the show. We've had two Jasons on the show. We've had two Jasons, a Leatherface... All you, need some, all you need some Michael Myers. And, yeah. Oh, man. I've, me and Dick Warlock, who played Ma- Michael Myers in Halloween 2, we've emailed back and forth several times. We just can't. And you need a Freddy. We can't get it together. That's the problem with Freddy. There's only one. There's two. What? There's two. Not really. Not really, but, the, you know, you can't. Oh, play. yeah, yeah. You're talking about the remake guy. I mean, it was okay. You know, we've talked about it on here. What is the voice? The well, it's just what we're used to. I mean, that, and me and you disagree on this sort of thing too. I think it was too much like the first one. It was like a, a carbon copy of the first one. I think it was too much of trying to be the first one. Okay, I can see that. Uh, 
when I say it needs to keep the same storyline, it needs to keep the same storyline. That don't mean the the actors even. Well, I want them to add a little bit of their own, you know, stuff. Yeah, it, it's, it. but as far as I thought, when don't I say, try to reinvent the, the when wheel. When I say adding new stuff, I mean the the actors' mannerisms and stuff like that. Is what I mean. But uh, I think I don't know that guy's name. You can delete that out just in case we ever interview. I don't sound like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> like it's. Like everybody we interview goes back and listens to every episode. Well, that guy was done. He was great in uh, Watchmen. He was really good in Watchmen. In Watchmen, he, he was, was awesome. Shy. Yeah, he was amazing. He's been good in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he was fun as Freddy. He was just that voice. It's just we're used to the other thing. And then the thing about Jason, Jason has been played by different people. You know, I know Jason don't and, talk. And you got the advantage of the mask. The mask. And he don't talk. Uh, right. With Freddy and it. Every one of the films is the same actor, the same voice, the same mannerism, same face. It was always Robert England. Always Robert England. And that's a big, big shoes to fill with Robert England. And he's teased to doing one more. And I'm like, why not? Yeah. I mean, okay, you're old. I get it. You want to retire. Yeah. But, okay, you ever heard of Stuntman? Like, for all the action stuff that he's too old for... Put the makeup on a guy that looks like you. Let him do all the action, and you do all the, yeah. the you know, the acting stuff, with the face. I mean, stuff. Robert England, he was hey. like when he's when Freddie's talking and being funny yeah. and being creepy and being Freddie. Yeah, you know, close-ups. Do Robert England. Yeah, and then all right, action time. Get the get the young guy. Get the out young here. guy out here. Throw a throw uh, a striped sweater on him. Let's do this. <laughs> and Robert England, he was great. I mean, I could fangirl just on V alone. Because he was in V. He does smaller shows and stuff, but part part of the problem with getting somebody like Robert England is that there's so many podcasts out there. There's so many people asking for him. Yeah, he's so busy. I mean, if you if I was to email whoever his agent is right now, that would be one of a thousand <laughs> emails they got that day of yeah. podcasts wanting to get him. So. We didn't do that though. We did, it worked. It was, I mean, of course, it went to Robert England. We we're talking about, but you know, we come out here one day. It's like, all right, we got to do something for Halloween. Let's do it. We got on the phone. We started calling people, and we got a good interview out of that. Despite, that? We got Waverly that way. Remember? Huh? Remember when we got Waverly Mansion? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we just got out here and said, "Hey, let's do it!" Boom, and we just went at it. Yeah, because we had talked about doing Waverly from yeah. the inception of the podcast. I'm like, why don't we just call them? Yeah. <laughs> and like an hour later, we had booked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like it's just amazing what you can do if you just try to actually do it. just do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we can say, "Oh, he'll never be on the podcast. He'll never be on the podcast." That's true. You but continue, they, you, they definitely gonna be on if we don't ask. It, it never be on here if you don't ask. That's true. We've been really lucky though. Like, jeez, and like everybody, like there's such a nostalgic thing with this. All my entire childhood, I've covered. I've. I've, I've helped interview my my favorite author of all yeah, time. Yeah, Salvador. Yeah, so I mean, and we've had you know, again two Jasons on here. We've had Michael Berryman. Just the other day, like, and again going back to my childhood, like I'm, I'm playing Mortal Kombat. You know what I'm like. We've, we've had Scorpion. 69 I've interviewed Daniel Pacino and played Scorpion. Just Sub Zero and Johnny Cage. I mean, you ain't got to be a Scorpion fan. He's he covers a lot of. Them. Yeah. yeah that's true. It would be pretty cool if he was ever at a con close enough where we can actually get him sitting down in a chair and talk a little longer. I hope Jason Brooks makes it down this way. Well, I don't know where he's from. I'm, a, I'm assuming it's around Washington because that's where they shot the film, but I may be totally wrong. But uh, if we can uh, 
Well, I mean, we know who do, we know who puts on the hurricane. Washington's a long way away from Mississippi. A long way away from Mississippi. But you know, they'll do it. They do a lot of appearances. Yeah. Especially when this movie. He's going to be out. in New Jersey. It's just you know he's went over. All he's got to do is come down. <laughs> How far is New Jersey from here? Not I don't sure. know. Not as far as Washington. That's true. <laughs> I actually flew one time from Atlanta to Seattle. Oh yeah, you had a. That's gig. the longest you could fly within the continental yeah. U.S. It was only like four hours though. It may not even been that long. That's when y'all drank all the beer off the plane. That was we drank the. the y'all have drank you you. Well, I don't blame you. You and Kelly. No, it was all of us. Well, but y'all also drank the. Well, we had like anxiety about flying. And y'all stuff had also like. drank the Peabody at an ultra. <laughs> I'm not proud of that. I'm proud of drinking the plane out of beer. But he's like, hey, can I? Like, hey, like we drank the Peabody out of Macallan. Now that would be cool. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, we'd still be working off that credit card too. But, but uh, um, no, what it was is um, I don't know how the stewardess knew we were in a band, but we were flying to Seattle to play some shows, and we just kept ordering beers, and the, they ran out of like a certain kind, so we just swapped another. <laughs> and it didn't feel like we had drank that much. But, like, somebody behind us, like, two or three rows back, ordered a beer. And she goes, there's a band up there that drink all the beer. And she said it like that. So judgmental. There's a rock band up there drinking all their beer. I'm like, what the hell, man? Are you going to bust me out like that? <laughs> <laughs> Throw him off the plane. That's one of your, that's one of your most proudest moments. <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember... I thought of that when we were sitting there at the Peabody in the lobby bar. And the lobby bar of the Peabody is 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 pristine. It's oh, a, yeah. It's a swanky joint. And we drink it out of Ultra. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, can I get into the Ultra? I'm sorry. We all have drank all the Ultra. <laughs> I should have said, if anybody asks, <laughs> tell them it was a cooler beer. <laughs> like, freaking, I'd have to have Hopsecutioner. No. Tell them we drink y'all out of Yingling, at least. Yeah. Something. Ghost River. Yeah, because yeah, that's from Memphis. Yeah, they have Ghost River on tap. You drank a Ghost River at Pirate's Pizza. How was that? It's good. Oh, I would call it a blonde. It's probably a blonde. Pretty you good. know it's funny how my tastes have changed when it comes to beer? I This is what I noticed about your, about your craft beer taste. You would you'll you'll be drinking your ultra, and you'll drink a blonde that I have, and you'll go, oh no, and you start everybody drinking your ultra, because I don't know you's like, if I'm gonna drink an ultra, I'm gonna drink this ultra. I'm not. Gonna I don't know. Drink some of the ones you've made, and I was like, this is like an ultra, but with flavor. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, I'm not gonna. You know, if I want to drink an ultra, there's no sense in making it. <laughs> it's already been made. Man, you have a real problem with rice powder. I'm, I'm sure I'll get there and do one. Uh, if I this, mean, there's really no point. I was making a joke. If this Kelly beer don't muck out, I might. Kelly should like this beer. It's not. If he sh- don't, I not, will. It's not <laughs> anything forward. Like there's nothing. Oh, no. It's a little. It's a little malt forward. But it's good. But not like it's in a, not in a, a negative kind of way. No, it's good. Yeah, I think you undersold it. It's pretty good. Uh, and that's that. And that, I mean, I'm not going to enter in a competition or anything, but. Right. 
I'm glad you thought it was not good enough. Oh, that's a different beer. And you brought it here. That one had. Oh, we're talking about two different things. We're talking about two different things. Okay. When that gets carbonated, which will probably be. Oh, he'll definitely like that. Oh yeah. I also want this. Okay. All right. I'm gonna check that Wednesday when I get off and see if it's moved any. I want to get a little. See if it get a little. I turned the temperature up a little bit. Got a little hotter in the in the, in the fermentation chamber. I don't know what. Are you talking about in here? No. I don't know, that thing's got a mind of its own. Every time I open the door, it's a different temperature. And I don't mean because of the, the huh. outside of interference of me opening it and changing the temperature. What I'm thinking the is, we're going to have to redesign your bar, and you're going to have to get a deep freeze. It's just going to happen. You're going to have to get a deep freeze, and you're going to have to make a kegerator. And to hold all these beers, we're going to be making. It's yeah, we need to line the whole bar with paddles. You need to line the whole bar with paddles. I don't care if it's outside where the where the refrigerator is. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, because you could run the lines. Like, it could be housed in and cooled in here. Yeah, we can and run the towels can yeah. go outside. Yeah. <laughs> or you can have the freezer outside. You can run them inside. Either way you want to do it. Or you can just go outside and get a beer. Well, in the, it's it's tough in the summertime Yeah. for a refrigerator that's outside. Yeah, that's true. I have that. I'm dealing with that right now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean. But it's easy on it during the winter. You're gonna need. Uh, <laughs> Never kicks on. You need. Yeah. Little keezer, little keezer beer for the mound cave ain't gonna hurt anything. You'll just have to, you have to find something to do with the kegerator. <laughs> yeah. We didn't got over forty minutes now. Hell yeah. And we had a thirty minute interview. I don't know what. If me and Sean can do an intro when he gets back tonight, or I recorded this one all out of sequence. That's normal. It's okay. I'm, or if I have to, I can do an intro by myself. I'll keep it short. We got enough time now. And then, uh, then I'll find out about what's going on at the edge, and uh, find out about this. Uh, who told me that? I think it was Germ. Germ talks to. Uh, Johnny Blunder as well. I think, did he, was that he that told me last night we're going to have to start doing a show a week or something like that? that? Was no, it's me. Was it you? Yeah. When did you talk to him? I talked, he, he uh, messaged me on Messenger. That's right, it was you. And uh, we went to Pyro's the other day. They okay. ate an amazing pizza that we scrapped. See, out. I thought I was laying some knowledge on you that you didn't know about, <laughs> and you're the one that told me. <laughs> uh, it's like if you tell somebody a joke, the next day they're like, dude, I got this joke I got to tell you. Same thing. Same one. All right. Thanks to Jason Brooks for calling in, hanging out with us for a minute. Looking forward to Fire the Thirteenth Vengeance. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, Lars excited about it. Oh, dude. Yeah, Lars. Lars. It's like they made this movie just for me. Yeah, Lars. Lars. Lars part six was my favorite. Lars telling people about it on Facebook. <laughs> and I like how. That was another reason I wanted to get him on here because I wasn't aware of it, and I want to make people aware of it. You know, yeah. Like we got a show. I think people I think, listen to it. I think four is Laura's favorite. I'm, I'm four. Four is probably my second favorite. Yeah, it's good. You know, part three is underrated. Was yeah. it part three I'm thinking about? I get yeah, it's a mixed part three up. Is where you got the hockey mask. Uh, I get them mixed up. I do some which ones too. which. But I feel like 
the big studio people have dropped the ball. And I don't know who that is. Like Hollywood on making the the, the big budget studio. Is it who who owns them? Paramount or one of the companies like that. Whoever owns the intellectual property of Jason and Friday the Thirteenth. It's been how long has it been since that first that last one came out? It's been a while. Oh, I have no idea. Let me Google that real quick before we go. I'm gonna let y'all go in a minute. Just calm down. It's just called Friday the 13th. That's not confusing at all. <laughs> it came out in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's what's bad when you have two movies the same name. You know what I mean? Okay, Freddy vs. Jason was a 2003. Jesus, man, I don't know. What it, it, Googling something should be easy. <laughs> it should be. That's why they have it. What do you want to find out? The year the the latest one came out. And all I can pull up was the first one. Okay, let me do this. Last Friday yeah, the 13th let's movie. Go. Let's be very on the nose about this. Two thousand nine, dude. That was ten years ago. Yeah. They haven't released a Friday the Thirteenth movie in ten years. You know what? I hope this movie is so successful that whoever is in charge in, in the big studio has to come to these people and just give them a shitload of money <laughs> yeah. to like do this as the main. J you know what I mean? Yeah. Like make this movie, like redo it with a huge budget. Oh, keep yeah. all the same people, keep everything, and put it in the theaters. Why can't we? Let's make us a fan film on YouTube. I don't think we could do it. Why not? Because we're too silly. Yeah, it could be like a. We can barely do a podcast. It could be like it could be <laughs> like we gonna do a movie. It could be like a House Two horror movie. That's funny. I liked House Two. I did too, and I usually don't like that much comedy in my horror movies. I want my horror You're movies. The Evil Dead. But it's amazing. But uh, I wasn't. I, but dude, House Two. From but the thing about it is, but from going from House One to House Two, because mm. yeah. House was creepy as hell. Mm. That I part. Go back and watch that. That part where he's like a the dude. He's like sitting there and he's like dead and like he's in Vietnam. And he picks him up and drags him off. That was like that was deep. Uh, and then House Two is funny. But in a ding dong, you're dead. <laughs> is that house three? Is that one? Which I think it's two. It's two? I don't know. It's been a long time. I need to go back and rewatch uh, those. Aluminum Cthulhu. And. <laughs> I'm making everything out of aluminum right now. That's great. Um, after doing this interview and doing, you know, the research, I want to go like, back and rewatch all the five, 13 movies now. Lars got them all recorded on, on her DVR. Yeah. Every one of them. I've got all of them as well. Probably different, several copies. Get out that. I think we got. If it's a big trilogy that Laura likes, it's on the DBR, except for Friday Thirteenth. But I got it in the box set. Mine fills up. Except for uh, I record too many shows, and I tell it to do the every episode. We got a genie. A genie. We got a genie. It's a big one. It's got the thing. We only use new. We only do new episodes. Okay. So it don't repeat. So if you get reruns, and well, there's some shows I do that 
Um, but I remember one time I accidentally sent it to record like every, 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 every time they come. Who, oh. And they did like this marathon. Oh, Lord. And they had like just, uh, bleh, just every episode of Doctor Who. So we, uh. It's been a lot. <laughs> like all the, um. I got a box set for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So recorded yeah. all the recorded all the Jasons. We got all the Michael Myers because Laura's a Michael Myers person. Uh, got all the freaking Harry Potters. Uh, all the freaking Harry Potters. I like Harry Potter. I'm not. I can say freaking Harry Potter. I said that just for your sake, but I like it. Yeah. It's a gateway drug to fantasy for kids. I don't hate Harry Potter. Yeah. I just don't watch it. I'd rather watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I I, get, I, I'm, I agree with you 100%. If that's an option. The thing is, where I think Harry Potter, I don't know why we got on Harry Potter episode, but uh, the thing is, like, uh, little girls getting into, like, little girls, they kind of steer away from D&D and fantasy, Lord of the Rings altogether. They used to. They used to. I think Harry Potter is their gateway into that. That's the gateway drug. <coughs> yeah. Welcome to Nerd Town. Yep. Come for the heart Harry Potter, stay for the D and D. Yeah. Are we still recording? I think we are. I feel like when we get to the end of the podcast, we just kinda like forget it's, that we're doing a show it's and where, just, it's we're just where our best of. That goes flop. I'm gonna tell everybody that Mark asked for a D and D session for his birthday. Damn right I did. For his 43rd Whoa, whoa. We got to talk numbers, dog. <laughs> That's low. What are you going to do when you were your 43rd birthday? I want to play D&D. <laughs> Damn right, I do. It's a good game. That's the only way I can get y'all, everybody together. Is make it a demand. Oh, okay. All right. I command you to play Dungeons right. and Dragons. We played. It's my birthday request. We can't even... I mean, we got so much going on between the podcast and brewing beer and... Right, but I'm not... I mean, somebody we're brewing want, beer more than we ever have. Somebody wanting to be a rock Think star about over the here. hurry up and wait with brewing beer. Oh, yeah, we play d I agree with that we 100%. Could, we could do a podcast. Yeah. We could play D&D while no, we're doing uh-huh. it. We could do both. 100% I agree with that. They yeah. coincide. We're together uh, doing things. Uh, this is not podcast Don't material. I have a challenge for you. What's that called? When you, when you do multiple things, let's multitask. I listened to a uh, D&D YouTube channel the other day where they was playing a session. It was like a 30-minute session. But when the DM spoke certain things, it was edited where he added the sound effects of the creaking door, of the screeching hag, of the uh, the bats flying off. So that's that's thing. That there's a there's a place you can find those sound effects, isn't it? Yep. Just not a feasible thing. Sorry, I phased out for a second because <laughs> I just I just realized something. I was looking at that case right there, and I saw the dent in it. Last night when I was on stage, my pedal board, I put it in this case, uh-huh. and I got all my cables hooked up yeah. to it. And I just flip it open and you know hook them up. Well, I left the case on stage, and I stood on it last night. Man, I think I broke it. Uh-oh. <laughs> I forgot all about it. Get in the moment, huh? Yeah. So whatever you were saying, that's where my mind was. Yeah, I have no idea what I said. But my, we were talking about sound effects. Sound effects in a D&D, D&D recording. 
Ooh, that's a good idea. Screeching doors. Kind of make it a, a, a full audio drama. Full audio drama. Like some audiobooks do that. Because, I, I mean, all you need is, like, you know, background noise and... Yeah. You know, that one time we recorded us playing D&D and had, the like, the epic D&D, music, the D&D yeah, music in the D&D background. In the background. But uh, I listened to one, and it had actually had the door creaking and, you know, stuff like that. That would be cool. I mean, it would take more time. More time. Out, but, that, but that's not a time-sensitive material. No, it's not. Yeah, and I think it would make a better product at the end. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it made me... I'm leaning way back away from my microphone. That's going to be a problem. Um, it made me feel better about our audio quality. Oh, our audio quality is great. Even Maybe I'm such a stickler because I'm used to recording we, music. We, that's, that's gotta even be like when we say, when you say, I apologize for the audio quality. It's, it's usually better than still a lot of better than a lot of the podcasts that I listen to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Joe Rogan is top notch, but it's well, yeah, they, freaking Joe. They, have they like got four SM7 thousand dollar mics sitting out there on the table, and God knows what else. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's insane. They got crazy money, and they have a Jamie. Yeah, for our budget. We're, I think I think for what we're uh, have access to, I think our, oh, you our audio great. quality is, is, when, uh, is good. The thing about it, when Jamie is monitoring the the whole entire thing, and, he, and when he brings his friends out there who is drinking, and that guy, one guy who brings the wine and the cheese and everything, he's yeah. like, and he'll whisper to Joe, he's like, somebody's chewing cheese in the mic. He's like, hey, hey, quit chewing. I mean, that's just the most disgusting thing you could do. Be like, you're chewing cheese and smacking in a mic. Stop it. And so he's got like a, a smack monitor. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a smack monitor. A smacker monitor. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. We got like a damn hour outro here. Sweet. Thank you for listening to Real Pop Culture, episode 119. We got to get out of here. Wait, I didn't do my thing. No, you didn't. Let me start over. Start over. I'm not editing that out either. They need to know I'm not perfect. You don't edit shit. You <laughs> I do you? edit you, stuff. I mean, all you do is close up gaps. <laughs> You're not wrong. I don't heavily I mean, edit the show. I'm not taking away from what you do, but... <laughs> it's getting easier. It's... Thank you for listening to Real Pop Culture, episode 119. We are broadcasting live, which is a lie, from the first and only floor of the Kill J headquarters at the Kill J Ranch. Love you, bye. See you later. Those new band shirts look awesome. Where did you get those done? At Anarchy Design. They do screen printing now? Oh yeah, they do professional custom screen printing at a very competitive rate. Where can I find them? Look them up on Facebook, facebook.com slash anarchydesign69, or email them at anarchydesign69 at gmail.com. You can check out some of their work on their Facebook page. When you're ready to order, you can send them your idea, or they can design it for you. It's a one-stop shop for all your screen printing needs. That's anarchydesign69 at gmail.com. It's a one-stop shop for all your screen printing needs. That's anarchydesign69 at gmail.com.